Hallelujah. You go ahead and take your seats this morning. Dedications are always a special thing. And, uh, amen. I was thinking about dedicating myself, you know. I don't remember ever being dedicated. I was baptized, but... If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to open them up to the book of Isaiah, chapter 50. And I'm going to be brief this morning, but Isaiah 50, verse 7. Uh, we've been talking about finishing the work God has given you to do. He's given you something to do. Whether you know it or not, God has given you something to do. And we need to find out what that is. And so each month, we're looking at a different step that we take to complete the work. And we're talking about focus. What does it mean to be focused on the work that God has given us? Isaiah 50, verse 7, it says this, and I'm reading from the New International Version of the Bible. It says, Because the sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like flint, and I know I will not be put to shame. Father God, this morning I pray that you would speak to our hearts, that you would communicate to us this morning that same word, that same, with the same anointing that was placed upon Isaiah when he spoke these words the very first time. I pray that you would help us to hear what you are saying to each of us, that we may run with your word in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, and God's we will say, Amen. Amen. Now, if you were to read this chapter carefully and study it carefully, you'll notice some things that really stand out. First of all, you'll notice that it begins with a series of questions. Uh, God is asking questions about the condition of Israel. He, he had divorced himself from Israel. If you can imagine that, God always uses this illustration as the, the, the groom and Israel was his bride. He loved Israel. He gave everything, did everything possible because of his love for Israel. But there came a time where Israel no longer loved God. They no longer loved him. They, they went off and were with strangers and worshiping other gods and doing other things. And so God had to divorce himself from her. If you can imagine that. God sent Israel away. Then he came back to look for her. And when he returned for her to reconcile her, she was nowhere to be found. So God begins to ask himself questions. He begins to question himself. Are my arms too short to deliver you? Uh, do I lack the strength to rescue you? He's asking these questions about himself. Israel, the mighty Israel, the, the, the apple of God's eye, the, the mighty river, had dried up. It had dried up. She lost her light. Israel was a mess at this time, beyond repair. So the Lord turns to a servant. Doesn't tell us who it is. There's no gain, uh, name or, or anything given to this individual, but he turns to a servant in order to reach Israel. In order to reach the one that God loves, he sends this servant. And in verse 4, it tells us, now, just going back to kind of get this picture in our minds, verse 4 says that this servant was 
has a well-instructed tongue that he knows what to say, especially to sustain the weary. I know what to say to the weary, to sustain them. In verse 5, it says that this servant has an ear that is open. And in, in verses uh, 4 and 5, it talks about he's, how he's able to listen. He doesn't just have things to say, but he listens to understand what to say. In verse 6, it shows us that he's humble. He offered his enemies his back when they beat him. He didn't run away or, or try to avoid hardship or, or challenges. He didn't fight them when they pulled out his beard. That's what he tells us. Nor did he hide his face when they mocked him and spit at him. This is the servant, and this is what he's up against. He's up against an enormous challenge, a, a huge challenge to redeem a people who are utterly irredeemable. How can I reach people that God is trying to reach? And God is asking himself, are my arms too short to redeem these people? Do I lack the strength? You know what? I'm going to send a servant to do it. Not that God is not able or inept and he can't do it, but God has decided to send someone to do this work for him. And he's describing this servant. And it, this is an enormous task to reach out to those who are cut off from God, those that are lost, that, that can't seem to be reached. You might know somebody like that. Hello. Hard to reach. Imagine God saying, are my arms too short to deliver that person? Wondering what, what does it take? Why is it so long, uh, you know, to, to reach this person? Why after prayer and after, you know, all these invitations, why can't we reach? God is saying, are my arms too short to deliver you? Do I lack the strength to rescue you? Imagine that, the person you prayed for, the person who seems salvation-proof. You know, you know anybody that's salvation-proof, man? Like waterproof, man. Salvation just bounces off of them. No amount of scripture seems to make a difference. No amount of prayer. Right? You can beg them or plead with them. But God turns to the servant and, and he doesn't tell us who the servant is, but he, he turns to the servant and he sends the servant to do what cannot be done. That's a huge task. And, and, and I can imagine what that servant might be going through uh, as he's thinking about this task. If God is questioning whether his arms are too short to redeem these people, what in the world can I do to reach them? How am I going to reach these people? Right? But look at what the servant says in verse 7. Verse, it just, it fascinates me. This verse fascinates me. It keeps me up at night for a lot of reasons. Like trying to get ready for this morning. <laughs> but look at what he says in verse 7. He says, because the sovereign Lord helps me. Because the sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. Even though I am up against a mountain of things that he is asking me to do. Because the sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint, and I know I will not be put to shame. Wow, what confidence. This person is convinced. This person is totally convinced that there is no doubt in his mind that what God has given me to do 
is not impossible for me. If the sovereign Lord helps me, it's going to get done. I'm going to reach the people that can't be reached. I am going to reach the people that God even asks himself, are my arms too short to reach these individuals? The servant is so confident that he says, man, I will not be put to shame. I will fulfill this task because the sovereign Lord helps me, which means that, man, God, this term sovereign is like God is in control of all things. It means sovereign means that he is the supreme authority over all the universe. All things are under his control. It means that his power is ultimate. His power is undeniable. It means that he has absolute right to do all things according to his own good pleasure. Whatever he decides to do, he sees way out ahead of you. His sovereignty, because of who God is, he sees so far in front of you, not just in geographical distance, but in historical distance. He sees your future. He knows what you're going through. And because he sees way out ahead of you, he is able to shape events for your future. He's able to work within even those things, those incidental causes, those things that just pop up out of nowhere, those instances and circumstances that you face, things that just seem to, to, to happen on the spur of the moment. In fact, the devil can throw his very worst at you. But because of the sovereignty of God, the devil's worst becomes a necessary step in God's plan for your life. He can throw his very worst at you, and God will use it to reshape you to help you and those stumbling blocks become stepping stones. And rather than hurting you, it reshapes you and strengthens you. That is sovereignty. That is the sovereignty of God. The servant says, because the sovereign Lord helps me, because of that, I will not be disgraced. There was an awareness of the call of God in his life. Not only is he aware of the call, he is clearly aware that God has something for him to do. And in that work, because of this fact that the sovereign Lord has called me, in that work, God is going to help me, and I will not be put to shame. That Man, that is heavy. That is heavy. I remember Tommy, Brother Tommy Aguilar, preached a message I think is probably the most, for me, the most impactful message I've ever heard. And it was right here. He was speaking on a Friday night. And he asked a question. I don't even remember what he preached about. I just remember this question he asked. He says, what if, what if you knew that whatever you set out to do, you wouldn't fail? What would you do? Man, I sat there. Mike, I kind of turned my ears off after the rest. He preached, you know, for the rest of the night. But I sat there thinking about that question. What would I do? If I knew that whatever I set out to do, I would not fail, how would I live my life? What would I do? What kind of father would I be? What kind of husband? What kind of friend? What kind of Christian leader would I be? What would I do? What would I think? How would I act if I walked down the street and see the homeless, the hungry, the hurting, and I knew that whatever I did, I would not fail? Now that, I, I began to, man, all of the possibilities, that is what the servant is talking about. Because the sovereign Lord helps me, I am not going to be disgraced. This is a heavy statement. God is going to help me, the sovereign Lord, the king of the kingdom, who can pull all of his kingdom resources together 
to help you succeed. So if God helps me, I will not fail. If the sovereign Lord helps me, I won't be disgraced. That's confidence. And confidence can be defined as that feeling or belief that you can rely on God or you can, you can have this firm trust in God, an unshakable trust. It's being certain about something, so certain that you refuse to be disappointed. When God called Noah to build that ark, it took a great deal of confidence, confidence to do what God asked him to do. It was a life work, a costly work. It took his whole life to build that ark. People probably asked him, man, what are you doing? How can you be so preoccupied with this boat in the middle of the desert? There's not even water around here. And he's building this boat. What, you mean you're making a, a, a ship for animals? And there's people that don't have a place to live? What's wrong with you? Are you crazy? Right? And for years, people raised questions. For years, they hurled insults at him. They mocked him and laughed at him because of what God had given him to do. But because the sovereign Lord asked him to do that, he would not be disgraced. He would not be disgraced. In the eyes of the world, it was a fool's errand a humongous waste of time, a humongous waste of resources. It was impractical. Who would give themselves to such a thing? And you don't see its worth until the rain starts falling, until the rain continues to fall and the waters begin to rise. You see its worth in the end when, when, when the turmoil begins to break loose and everybody's pounding on the door. Man, let me in. Let me in to this ark. If he was wrong, without a doubt, he would have been disgraced. He would have been called out. He would have been ridiculed, exposed as a fraud. And no one would have ever, ever taken him serious again with anything he may have said or done. But he built that ark anyway. And this is the confidence of the servant of God. He says, because the sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced regardless of how my life looks right now, regardless of how far the dream may be from me right now, or the odds stacked against me right now. I'm on a journey with God, and the Lord is here to help me. He says, therefore, which means because of that, because the sovereign Lord has helped me, I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I will not be put to shame. Because of that confidence, he can set his face like a flint. And, and by the way, flint is that, that stone, a, a, a mineral that is extremely durable. One of the hardest elements behind, you know, we know that diamond is, is the hardest, but it's not too, flint is not too far behind a diamond in its hardness. And if you chip it to, to where you have an edge, it's like razor sharp. And so people used it as tools and, and weapons back in the day. And if you strike it against iron, it causes a spark. And so they used it for fire. In fact, people still use it today to start fires. It is a durable material. It doesn't change over time. Hello. Geologists who find ancient flint tools today find them in much the same condition as they were when they were first made. It's hard. It's durable. It's inflexible. Because the sovereign Lord helps me, I have set my face like a flint. I have hardened my focus. 
I have hardened my gaze. I have fixed my gaze like a flint. Hard, focused, forward. I'm not changing because of time. Not changing because of circumstances. Because the sovereign Lord helps me. I won't change my mind. I won't fluctuate or hesitate. Because the sovereign Lord helps me. I will not be put to shame. Heavy, man. One thing has to do with what the sovereign Lord does, but the other thing has to do with what the servant does. The servant of the Lord works out those things that the sovereign God gives him to do. He reaches, and what God does is he reaches far into your future. He looks ahead. He gives you something to do, and he looks ahead, and he makes a way for you to accomplish what God is asking you to do. It's all been done for you. He, he, he goes way beyond your reach. He, he, he works out things way, be, way beyond your ability to even see what is needed in your life. He reaches into the plans even of your enemy to turn those plans around. He anticipates and gets ahead of the situation. He steers and navigates. That's what makes him sovereign. He turns mistakes into miracles. He's able to take the blunders in your life and turn them into blessing because he is sovereign. If rain is what you need, man, he's already forming clouds way off on the horizon. If prayer is what you need, he's already dropping a thought of you in somebody's mind. They're thinking of you right now, saying a word of prayer for you right now. Whatever you need, God is working it out ahead of you. If you need protection, he'll send it a, a, a whole you know, a whole group of angels to encamp around you, to protect you, to keep you so that you are not put to shame. This is the conviction of the servant of the Lord. He will not be put to shame. And this morning, this morning, we know that the servant of the Lord is Jesus Christ himself, right? We know that. Amen. Jesus is the one who can reach the unreachable. It was Jesus who offered his body to be beaten, whose beard was pulled out of his face. That was Jesus. And in spite of what looked like failure in his life, he didn't end his mission in disgrace. You know how the story ends. It may have looked like a failure, and the, and the, the brightest day that the devil had is to see Jesus on that cross. And that was like, the, there was probably a, a party among the demons, you know, they were doing the wave. They were doing all. They were all excited to see Jesus on the cross. But the story doesn't end in disgrace. It doesn't end in disgrace, right? He would not be put to shame. Because the sovereign Lord helped him, Jesus was victorious. Jesus ascended, and he resumed his place at the right hand of the Father in glory. It was a resumption of his, of his glory with the Father. So in Luke chapter 9, verse 51, it says that Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He resolutely set out. In the King James Version, uh, if you've ever read that verse in the King James Version, it says that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. But there's something else about the servant that 
you need to know, that I need to know. Isaiah mentions this servant at least four times in different places throughout the book of Isaiah. A, a mysterious set of, of little verses that describe this mysterious servant. And, and he mentions this servant in at least four places. They, they, and experts call these the servant songs. They're like little songs that, that appear in the book of Isaiah. And, and, and Isaiah mentions them, but there's never a clear description of who the servant is. We know that Jesus fulfilled it, but there's never a clear description of who this person is. Now we know that Jesus, like I said, he fulfilled that, that role, but the servant is always anonymous because the sovereign Lord invites you. He invites you to be the servant of the Lord. Amen. That whoever yields his ear to instruction, that whoever commits their tongue to speaking hope for the hopeless, that whoever the Lord anoints to set captives free, whoever the Lord anoints to bind up the wounds of the brokenhearted, that whoever steps into that role becomes a servant of the Lord. It could be you. That could be me. This is exactly what Isaiah is saying. Any one of you who will allow the Lord to teach you, who will allow yourself to listen, who will humble yourself and allow the Lord to use you, then this description is a description of you. And in the end, you will not be disgraced. You will not look at your time, your life as a waste a waste of resources, a waste of time because the sovereign Lord will see to it that you are not put to shame, that he will uphold you, he will lift you up, he will protect you and provide for you. He will look far out in, in your future. And the little bumps in the road that seems like tragedy right now will never end in failure. This is the word that God gives to the servant of the Lord. God is inviting you this morning to be his servant where you can have full confidence of your purpose because the sovereign Lord helps you you will not be disgraced therefore this morning you can set your face like a flint what has he called you to do how has he called you to serve him what has he called you to do as a parent or as a friend as, as a Christian as just as a person a human being what has he called you to do and what if whatever you set out to do, what if you knew that you would not fail? How would you live your life? How would you live your life if you knew that what you set out to do, you would not fail? That is the word of God to his servant. Will you be his servant this morning? Will you choose to live your life for the king of kings, the sovereign Lord, who will see to it that what he gives you to do won't fail? I'm going to ask you to stand with me this morning. And I'd like to pray for us. One of the other servant songs, Jesus read at the very beginning of his ministry. He went to a church 
Actually, it was a synagogue back in his day. In his hometown, Jesus went to visit his friends and family in his hometown. And as he was there, he stopped into a synagogue and they invited him to, uh, to read or, or to share, to speak, which was a custom among the Jewish people. And so as he walked in, someone just randomly took from the scrolls. They had scrolls of the, of the Bible, the Old Testament. Someone randomly took a, a scroll of Isaiah and they handed it to Jesus. And Jesus unrolled the scroll and found a place where one of the servant songs were written. And he began to read. And this is what Jesus read that day. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Oh man, that sounds like impossible things. When Satan had people bound and blind, when Satan had people locked up and in prison, that sounds like impossible things. People who had lived for such a long time. One woman, Jesus himself says, man, this woman has been bound by Satan for 18 long years. And he just simply told her to be free from her suffering. She was, her back was, was, was bent over and she stood up for the first time in 18 years. What seemed impossible, what seemed unlikely, when you decide, when we decide to step into the role as the Lord's servant, who knows what God wants to do in your life? The servant is anonymous for this reason. We know that Jesus fulfilled it. Jesus is the ultimate servant of the Lord, and he fulfilled this, all of these promises. But this is an invitation for servants to serve the Lord, amen? Father God, I pray, for your people this morning. I pray, Father God, for servants, men and women who strike out, my God, to serve you and will not be put to shame, whose lives will not end in failure, whose lives will not end in, in fault, who will not be cut short of accomplishing all that you have for them. I pray for men and women Father, who will live through their, their marriage, my God, and keep their vows. Men and women who will live through their Christianity, Father God, and not turn back. Men and women, my God, with integrity and character. Oh, Father, I pray, friends, my God, that support their friends, that uphold their friends, that don't turn on their friends. By God, men and women, Father God, that carry the burdens of others. Father God, that are never put to shame. I pray, Father God, for your anointing upon your people in a powerful way this morning. Father, that we may see what it's like to be servants of the living God. And this morning, with our heads still bowed and our eyes closed, the first step in becoming a servant of the Lord, the first step in receiving these promises from the sovereign God is to say, yes, Lord, I want to serve you with my life. I want to live for you. 
I, I need to repent of my sins. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if there's anyone here that says, you know, Lord, I need you. I, I realize I need, I made mistakes in my life. And, and my mistakes don't escape me easily. They follow me. My, my mistakes, even though people don't see it, Lord, I know you see it. I know that you see the things that I've done. But this morning, I want you to know that God is able to forget all of our wrongs when we commit those things to him. When we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, not only does he forget what we've done, he casts it into the deepest part of the ocean, never to be found again. And so this morning, if you say, I need Christ to forgive me of my sins, I want you to just lift your hand. I like to pray. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see those hands. I see those hands. I see that hand. All right. Amen. I'd like go. You can go ahead and put your hands down. I'm going to pray, and I want you to repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I have done wrong in my life, but this morning... I make a decision to accept your son as my savior, to become a servant of the Lord. Forgive me of my past and help me to live for you. I know that I don't have all the answers, but you see ahead of me and you're able to provide for me so guide me, protect me, and keep me in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Father God, I pray for everyone, my God, this morning who made this prayer, Lord, that right now you would lift the burden off of their lives.